0: This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Trapp here, your host. Now, let's talk about corporate storytelling. Certainly, that's an interesting topic always to me, one that's super important and close near and dear to my heart, uh, because storytelling works when you do it well, right? So just something to keep in mind. Before we get started, however, uh, just a friendly reminder, we are live on Amazon, so you can see everything around me, Maybe not that uh, authentic Iowa Hawkeye football helmet, but pretty much everything else. It's in the carousel down below. If you're not watching on Amazon, just search for Christoph Trapp on Amazon. And if you're wondering what I'm drinking, I'm drinking this sparkling water, LaCroix. Check it out. You can get that on Amazon as well. And maybe our guest, who knows what he's drinking, but he can fill us in when he gets on. So today we're going to talk about uh, Steve Mulcher's book, Nothing gets sold until the story gets told. Just a friendly reminder, everything is in the carousel down below on Amazon, and you can certainly just scan the code and grab a copy of his book um, right now, no matter what channel you're watching on. Steve, let's get the party started and find out corporate storytelling. Why are people still struggling with this relatively easy concept, and how do we get there?
1: Oh, thank you so much. Lovely. Welcome. Let's boom, shim, blow it up. Uh, oh, as far as
0: what I'm drinking, by the way,
1: it's so dull water, but I am doing it in a jam jar. So I think that's got to give me like slight points for creativity.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Is that available on Amazon, however? <laughs> well, I guess if you eat the jam out
1: of it first, you can go ahead and put whatever in it is you like in there afterward. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. It is so good to be with you here on the platform. I do appreciate it. So so corporate storytelling, why is it so vital? It's, it's such a yeah. good place to start. So thank you for that question. When we talk about the way that a brand, whether it's an entrepreneurial brand, a new startup, solopreneur, large corporation, when we talk about how brands don't just sell product or speak to their marketplace, How do they actually create deep value, deep passion, deep connection for long term relationships that lead to expansion of that brand into new territories and allow that brand to stick around and remain not only dominant, but also meaningful. For that particular market. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. But that's what I do is I work with brands with work with corporations from fortune to startups to make sure that they not only know how to make that outreach to their sector to their industry, but also how to maintain that connection point over time, one of the hardest things to do.
0: So let's talk about that. How do you, first of all, in your opinion and in your experience, how do brands get started Then, how do they maintain it? I mean, I when you say maintain, I always look at all these content strategies I see out there flying around and they get started and then they just kind of stop, you know, mm-hmm. after a couple of things. And 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 certainly that's not the way you do it. I mean, this is episode, I don't know, whatever it was, 610. So certainly, you know, we're way above average already on this show Uh, the average podcast i think has like seven episodes and then people wonder that why it's not working well it's not working because you only did seven episodes that's basically it
1: so i think you've done 100 times uh uh, response i always say that the hardest customers the hardest clients that i work with are the clients that are the most established that have been around the longest and are the largest because they have expertise and I always say that expertise is a real restriction in, or a barrier in many instances to good winning communication. So if we think about it from the startup perspective, if you are an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small team, it's all you. Right? You are the one who has to not only get this thing off the ground, you have to create the vision to fill that gap in the marketplace, to come up with whatever the strategy, the service, the solution, the capability that is going to feed the market and fill that particular gap. And you've got this phenomenal head of steam. And then you, on your own or with partners, you go out, you find investors, and everybody gets together and is very, very excited to drive to launch. And then post launch, You're, again, working with those initial customers and trying to build the brand. And then what happens? Like you said, a year later, two years later, it all starts to fall off. And the question is, why does it fall off? And I believe the answer is because the entrepreneur tends to lose the corporate story in favor of the finance. Now it becomes, how do we scale? How do we grow? How do we make sure that the money flows in the door? How do we serve our board of directors best? How do we serve our shareholders? And when that happens, typically the communication lines with the industry, with the customer itself, tends to suffer. So the hardest people to do is go in the door with customers that have been around for a long time. Some of my biggest are Cisco, HP, uh, Bayer, Heidelberg, Reva Group, Lufthansa, folks like this who have been around for such a long time. And I have to pull them back to their roots and say, okay, remember why this thing started. What were you so excited about? Or if your founder, is no longer around if it's been a lot of trade and changeover in leadership or ELT since then, how do we get back to those core tenets, those core structures that were based in the human personal experience before they were based in the corporate experience? And if you can get back to that story, that is what becomes your winning corporate story that then leads to success, both for you and for your clients.
0: You know, what's interesting to me about that is expertise is such a hassle, honestly. (laughs) Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day and I said, uh, there was this company I noticed and it seems to me that they're always looking for a marketing director, like all the time, like all the time. And I'm like, why are they looking for a marketing director all the time? Like, you know, at some point you would think they would find somebody, who, you know, fits what they're looking for. And they are going to stick with that person for, for a little while. And I get it. People don't stick around in jobs for 30 years anymore. Not anymore. Can't blame them. There's no pensions in most companies. So why would they? Um, But so this person said, the reason is because the CEO has a marketing degree. So the marketing director can't ever do anything correct because, you know, CEO knows everything best because of the marketing degree now i don't know how old the ceo is i I don't know you know i don't know when this marketing degree was actually given to him him or her i don't even know but anyway do you know what i mean so it's like it's never going to work because they think they have the expertise and they have all the answers and i can see the same thing especially in content strategy when i worked like in healthcare, for example doctors always know right but they don't know seo um Like they have to trust the experts. So how do you kind of get those uh, people, successful business people? And let's be honest, they have expertise and they've had success in certain areas. But how do you get them to understand those other areas that are necessary for corporate storytelling that they might not be an expert in?
1: Oh, it's a great question. You know, boy, you hit on healthcare, maybe the most challenging of all sectors, uh, to get people to break out of their standard way of thinking and to be able to onboard new practices and potentially even take some risks in the nature of storytelling. Because as we know, if all you do is tout your products, it's never going to work. It, it just doesn't happen with a buying populace. So what I typically have to do is I go to concepts of speaker coaching. Skills coaching, content coaching. And a lot of times it's a matter of getting in front of the ELT, getting in front of the C suite and saying, All right, you're phenomenal at what you do. You're brilliant. You're in your position. You're earning your paycheck. You've got that title on your business card and online because you are phenomenal at what you do. However, you have an internal eye. And without an external eye, that internal eye becomes myopic. It becomes highly shuttered and it doesn't reach across the footlights to the people that you need to communicate with. So, for example, if you are Michael Jordan in the NBA back in the 1990s and you are the best in the world, you are an expert that cannot be touched. And guess what? Michael Jordan worked with a coach each and every day, an outside eye, to make him that much better at what he did. If you're Michaela Schiffrin, and you're doing a giant slalom in the downhill in the Olympics, and you're a gold medalist, you still work with a coach. And odds are your coach never earned a gold medal in the Olympics, but they become your outside eye. They become that additional leverage point that says, is the story that we're telling the story that our audience, our sector, our industry, our buyer, actually wants and needs to hear. And usually that's where the disconnect takes place. So as you said, if the CEO is trying to control what the CMO is doing, that CMO is not going to stick around very long. There has to be that level of trust and credibility that lets each person do their job and become the outside eye for one another. So typically the person who hires me to come in the door is a new CMO, somebody who has just arrived within a corporation that says, all right, we have been marketing and strategizing either the same way for too long, or we're no longer listening to our market and what they're demanding from us. We're too busy telling our own story to tell the story that they prefer that we tell, or we've reached a point of stagnation. And before we climb the next hill, we've got to alter the nature of our methodologies of communication. That's when they bring me in the door, and the first thing I have to do is figure out where's the obstacle. Who is the person who is so set in their ways that they're not willing to take the risk. And a lot of time it comes from corporate and from legal, not necessarily from the individual who wants to make cool things happen. I work with VPs all the time who really want to push some boundaries and be better, more solid communicators for their brands, but corporate won't let them and legal stagnates them. And then all of a sudden it sucks all the life and the creativity out of that VP And they're stuck telling the exact same corporate story that they've been telling for so long that's created the stagnation. So busting out of it is hard, but the moment it happens, the results are incredible. They're immediate, they're empowering, and they're provable.
0: You know, when you just mentioned that, I was thinking about uh, the marketing artificial intelligence conference is going on right now in Cleveland. Maybe it's done today. Today is Friday. Hard to keep track of the days anymore, honestly. (laughs) But um, and one thing that they were reporting out on LinkedIn is, whoa, something just fell down. Did you see that? what did you
1: do? Oh, was it the and helmet?
0: One of no, not my helmet, but I should have worn the helmet. So one of my <laughs> um, uh, sound panels from the from oh. the ceiling just fell right on my head. But I think this I'm okay. Got
1: a lot more exciting. I don't see any marks. I think you're, uh, I think you got away clean.
0: I got away clean, but that is the first on a live episode a sound panel. I still it recommend it. 110
1: episodes for something to fall on you. We've that, broken well, the mold.
0: You know, and I do still recommend these sound panels and FYI <laughs> on Amazon. They are in the carousel. So um, hopefully that was not too big of a negative for you to consider them. That was fun. But OK, what was I talking about? I was talking about, oh, um, AI conference. Uh, AI conference. So what they were saying is, um, that a lot of marketers, they're interested. They want to try AI. They want to use it. And I use AI, but of course, I'm on a pretty relatively small team, right? So um, I don't, I don't I haven't run it by legal or anything like that. But they're saying the biggest problem is the security. And the companies are saying, You you need to show us that it's secure before mm-hmm. we can even allow it to be used. So they're saying, so all these companies are launching for all, like there's a new AI company or 10 every single day. And they can't use them because they don't know what the security protocol is. So just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, you have to work with those people. But how do we how do we do that? And um, so in this segment, let's talk about how do we work with legal or the CFO or whoever to under to make sure they understand what it is that marketing and, and uh, corporate storytelling is doing. And then maybe at the next segment after that, let's circle back to the training. The, I mean, I was watching the quarterbacks and of course, those are the best quarterbacks in the world. And they're still like, I mean, they practice and learn more in a week than some people work.
1: Absolutely. So security is actually a really interesting way to go in the door. As I mentioned before, one of my biggest and longest term clients is Cisco. I've worked with them for years and they have a baseline structure that says if it's connected, it's secure. That story alone creates differentiation from the story that led up until, let's say, pre-pandemic, 2018, 2019. When you've got siloed capabilities, when everything is working in proprietary methodologies and they don't speak with one another, everything has to be secured independently on its own. It's a tough sell. You go to your finance team, you go to your CFO and you say, I would like to implement a new capability within the organization. And they say, okay, how do you guarantee safety and security? And they say plugins, right? We're just going to adapt it into everything that we already have. And we are going to assume that our current security infrastructure is going to also protect the new onboarded capability. And immediately the CFO was going to say, absolutely not. It doesn't work that way. Those are the old days. Putting up a firewall doesn't do the job for us anymore like we used to. What do we need? We need a comprehensive story, an all-encompassing story that says the moment we plug it in, it's guaranteed and assured security. Hard to do, absolutely. But the story that that IT director, for example, takes to the CFO, takes to the CMO. If they're going to uh, cross over these capabilities, they're going to talk about something at the same time that they implement something. Now we have to create a consistent story that assures everybody in the room that this is the right way to go. That ultimately is corporate storytelling. So when we talk about an audience, right? An audience can be an audience of one. Right now I'm speaking, you're listening, you're my audience. A moment ago, you were speaking, I was listening, I was your audience a one-to-one engagement. Whether it's that, or you're standing on a keynote stage in front of an arena full of 10,000 people, the goals and the targets are the same. How do I put you at ease, develop trust, credibility, establish a connection point that says we speak the same language, we understand, we respect one another, but then also get us both moving toward a goal, toward a destination. And let's say your destination within your organization is onboarding a new network infrastructure or a new multi-cloud capability, and your goal is not only to get that done, but in order to get it done, you have to assure everybody that it's secure in its connection. Poof, corporate storytelling. You have to be able to, to, to make the argument, make the case solidly structured, personal, human, connective to get everybody comfortable to then give you the thumbs up as the IT director and move forward with your network installation and purchase the way you want it to go. And when you put all those pieces together, now a corporate story helps you not only in marketing your product, but also in allowing yourself and your team to implement the capabilities that you believe in deepest. The better your story, the more likely that's going to uh, uh, result in a thumbs up, a positive, a yes, go forward and make it happen.
0: I'm always baffled by the whole not to go down the security rabbit hole too much longer here but I, I think the it's so baffling to me anyways like the security everything is cloud based anyways I mean like uh, I haven't you know I haven't worked in a company where something was in in uh, I mean for a lot of companies but I've been in a company where they had on site anything you know on site servers or whatever uh, but how about like on the financial side how do you sell corporate storytelling to the people that look at the numbers right because and I still I mean, there is value. Otherwise, nobody in the world would do marketing if it didn't work. Um, But it's a lot easier to prove the exact value of one salesperson, right? This salesperson sold this much. So this is how much revenue they brought in. But how do you do that when you have an omni-channel corporate storytelling strategy? How do you prove that it's helping?
1: That is such a fantastic question. I'm gonna sort of go on a slight sidetrack that's gonna lead us to a good answer to that question. The first core step in successful corporate storytelling is to understand the nature of human onboarding of new information and of data. It's set in a hierarchy and most people, when they market, when they speak, to one another, they don't really understand the nature of the hierarchy and they flip it on its head. So here is the traditional hierarchy. All of us are bombarded by about 10,000 bits of stimuli each and every day. From the moment we awake to the moment we go to sleep, we are just, they cascade onto us and we don't have the bandwidth. The smartest person in the room doesn't have the bandwidth to process them. So we make knee jerk responses to those bits of stimuli, and we bin them in our brains. We bin them as high value, medium value, low value, and no value. And 98% of everything goes straight into the low value or the no value bin. It's why most marketing and most sales communications tend to fail. They don't result in what we want them to result in. But in order to get into that high value bin, which is what we're all hoping to do, whether we're speaking in public or communicating with a superior or with a colleague or meeting somebody new with me in the industry like you and I are doing right now, the way we get in that high value bin is we understand the nature of the hierarchy of onboarding new information. And that hierarchy goes, number one, we process everything on a human level first. Do we like it? Does it align with our morals, our foundation, our standards, what we believe is most important in life? Do we look at that and say, yeah, that makes sense to me. That connects with me. I like it, and therefore, I'm going to give it serious consideration. Hierarchy level two is we process as consumers. So now that I know it, understand it, recognize it, approve of it, would I buy it? And buy it frequently just goes to finance, but it's not just about money. Would I buy it with my time? Would I invest time or emotion or personal stake in what it is that I'm hearing? So number two, we process as consumers. And our third level of hierarchy is we process as employees, members of our organization. Would it fit for my brand, for my company, for my team, for my business unit? But before it gets to that point, it has to process through the human and the consumer hierarchy. And most market messaging flips that upside down. We start by marketing to the brand, to the business, to the buyer, the, consu- uh, the, 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 um, the employee. But unfortunately, if it hasn't passed the hierarchies of the personal and the consumer first, it's never going to even make it in the door as a buyer on an employee level. So always keep that strategy in mind. Human first, consumer second, employee third. So now to answer your question directly, let's say we're talking in finance. It's very hard for a bank or for an investment firm to be able to market on those levels because the human tack is very difficult for finance people, they think in terms of dollars, metrics, data, points, and KPIs. The problem is a number without a story to back that number up quickly loses meaning. And when we talk numbers of finance only, this sales guy is our most effective sales guy. He's closed this many sales. We command this much market share within our industry. These are the corporations that trust us and work with us because of what we do for them. And here are the numbers to prove it. The number goes in one year and out the other. And the reason is whatever our company offers to the market, our competitors have their numbers, their KPIs, their data points, their metrics that say that they are in fact the best in the industry. And so do their competitors. So when we compare numbers to numbers to numbers, the consumer, the buyer gets confused. If everybody is the best, then clearly nobody is the best. And therefore, I'm not going to make my investment based on the numbers or my purchase based on the numbers of the data points. I'm going to make it based on who I like the most, who I trust, who I find the most credible. And I'll tell one last story before I shut up because I'm rambling on here. Let's say that you are in the automobile market. You're looking to buy a Mercedes, a BMW, an Audi, or a Lexus. And every one of them tell you that their car is fastest off the block, that their engine has the most power, that they have the most efficiency, their interior is the most comfortable. They give you all of the data and all of the metrics why you should buy their car, and you're left thinking, These are all phenomenal vehicles. They're all great. They all cost roughly the same. One is better in one area. One is is not. You know what? I owned BMWs before. I like BMWs. I'm buying another BMW. And that's the way the buyer ends up making their minds up. Corporate story. Adding a story to the number, to the data, is your only way of moving forward. And that's especially effective when it comes to areas like finance that you mentioned that are much colder, that are much more about the numbers and statistics, they need the story more than anyone.
0: They do. And of course, you know, just something to think about is, um, as I said before, if marketing and storytelling wasn't working, nobody would do it in the world. And why do we know about all these brands? Because they're constantly in front of us. Funny side story, and we're wrapping it up here in a minute. Steve, uh, Steve, really appreciate you coming on the show is I mentioned the quarterbacks earlier on Netflix. I really recommend that show. It has uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Kirk Cousins from the Vikings and uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Then with the Falcons, I don't know where he is currently, but anyway, so they're following them and, and looking at all the things they do. And just something to keep in mind, all this stuff takes practice, it takes training. It takes comfort, so you know, you know, get the right help, uh, learn certain things. For example, I got more and more comfortable doing these live streams over the years. So just something to keep in mind. Steve, really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, the last thirty seconds here, or so tell us how do people reach out to you? Who, who are your perfect clients? Who do you like to work with?
1: Oh my gosh, thirty seconds. All right. So my perfect client is the one that recognizes. They have hit a point where they need to market to their sector, to their industry, or to their customer a bit differently, and they're willing to get more personal, more human, open up, and get off the numbers, and start to go to what it is that really creates differentiation for their market, that takes the obstacle out of their marketplace's path, and that motivates their market to take action. That's who I like to work with the most. If you want to track me down, very easy, stevemulter.com or corporatestorytelling.com. Both will lead my way. And the last thing I'll mention is for anybody who's interested, I've got a freebie out there. If you go to corporatestorytelling.com slash guide, and then you put in the code soldtold23, all one word, lowercase, soldtold23, uh, you're going to get my free uh, Five Paths to Passionate Storytelling e guide. No matter who you are, what level of your career you're at, what it says on your business card, socioeconomic status, company, what have you. These are five ways that you can quickly become a better communicator, better corporate storyteller for yourself or for your brand. So go out and pick that up if you can.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review The Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. See you then.